I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. I will be talking to Corey Harris very soon here and uh, got some interesting topics to me, I should say. Uh, man, I, his, his story is amazing. We only have about 20, 25 minutes to talk through it, but I'll be asking him primarily about workouts and how they're going to shift. He's the, the director of pro at TSF. He's coached in Beijing, led player development for the Beijing Association. He's coached with uh, slash under Stefan Marbury, uh, worked with Gannon Baker, ran a lot of his skill clinics in in this in the upstate in the southeast region. Has student of the game, his own own training business. Has worked with TSF, been the general manager of Shoot Three Sixty. Uh, man, he's he's done a lot. So the timeline for me, I'll have to learn from him about what he's got going on right now. I know he's heavy with TSF. I know he's heavy with student of the game LLC. Uh, Side note from him, I'll try to fill you guys in on some of the things that may come up. Maybe they won't come up, but from Atlanta, Georgia, did not play high school basketball. You got to think, man, he he uh, didn't play any high school basketball or middle school basketball, made it to the last cut every single year, but just did not make it. In the midst of that, was training himself, was trying to make the team, and started the training business, went to Hofstra. Uh, dropped out of Hofstra, flunked out. I mean, he had guys like Charles Jenkins, some pretty good players there too. Didn't didn't make it there, but man, just never stopped going and is doing some very impressive things. And uh, I'll let him tell you about a lot of the, the crazy stuff that he has going on that he's gone through as well. Starting his training business, what stood out to me, I man, he was fixing roofs, flipping burgers, working in crawl spaces. I'm sure he has some other jobs there too that he hasn't mentioned. And also training on top of that. I have a teammate, had a teammate in college who, who when I said I was interviewing Corey, he said, yeah, he's trained my cousins before. He's been in the Atlanta product, born and raised. Uh, I've got some other trainees that I've worked with that Corey's been in touch with and made highlight tapes for and trained. And man, his reach spans so much. And when you hear him talk, you'll 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 feel the energy. You'll feel why. So many coaches respect him, and he's going to give us advice back to the main point of the conversation, advice on how to shift our workouts whenever it gets to the season time for basketball players, what some of those misconceptions are that we have as coaches, as player development coaches, as trainers, and how to how to make that flip and how to have a successful in-season uh, training experience with your athletes. Another thing, too, that I'm interested in asking him is about – being a general manager at Shoot 360, I mean, if you haven't seen uh, Shoot, what's going on, guys? Shoot 360 is very, very successful. They have locations starting in Vancouver, locations in Georgia, many locations in California. They're going to be in Colorado. They're franchising many, many more spots, and he's been the general manager there. I'm not sure if he still is at the moment. Maybe he is, but again, I, I, when I talk to him, we're going to be picking up on on what he's got going on right now. Funny enough, in 2000, and I believe it was two, 
or 2012, he started training in the same location that we're actually training in right now as he was working with Gannon Baker. And I'm also going to be asking about balancing, you know, profit with with philanthropy. Of course, he's a general manager, has his own training business, um, knowledgeable when it comes to business. But also he talks about poverty alleviation and the Atlanta Youth Project and seeing, you know, what it was like to grow up in a certain socioeconomic status. And I'm curious to know how he balances the profitability needed for business with the philanthropy of helping with poverty alleviation, helping out with some of these other social issues um, that that he is passionate about. So um, excited about all that stuff, too. We're going to have some snippets of, of this conversation. So if you guys can't stick around the entire time, no worries. Uh, apologies for the bad lighting, but <clears throat> we're going to have a good conversation nonetheless. Uh, watching from the Philippines, what's going Mabuhai? <laughs> uh, I do not know any Tagalog, but uh, I would like to learn. I want to be a polyglot. So appreciate you for checking in uh, and doing this. It's been a while, man. Hope everything's been going for you, going well for you. Uh, Reed, what's going on, my man? So something that I and you got some players here watching too. So Corey is a absolutely man, absolutely. Hope to see you at the next one. What what Corey is very knowledgeable in, one, as a player, too. My man, Ant's been a while, brother. Corey didn't play any high school basketball, and he went to, I think he went to Beijing, then came back, came back to play five years of college basketball. He's played on the NAIA D3 level. I think he played on the D2 level, uh, led us to, into a national championship experience. Um, it, it's, it's The story is is very, very interesting. But until Corey gets here, I do want to talk about some things that I'm learning right now. So what I'm on is as we transition, kids are back in school, some books that I'm starting to pick up on, Atomic Habits right here. Hey, hey, I kind of kind of cheesy. I got a dollar bill as a bookmark. Some people may think that's cheesy, but oh, that's another thing I'm going to talk to Corey about. And the first question I want to ask him is, you know, when he stopped caring about what people thought about him. Right. And just me and mentioning that comment right there, I'm like, yo, I got a dollar bill as a as a bookmark. Uh, uh, why do I care about what other people think about it? <laughs> but here's Corey right here. I'm going to uh, get him to wave and then I'm going to request him to join us right here. I'm about to show my inexperience with this. There we go. Corey, what's going on? My son, what's going on with you, brother? How Man, I'm great. I appreciate you taking time to do this. Can you hear me? All good with the audio? I, I heard you, but I, I couldn't hear you afterwards. There we go. It, it's, it's coming back in. All right, great. I was trying to get my, my AirPods locked in so you don't hear all this background noise. Understood. Appreciate that. Man, let's jump in. Like, right in. I know you're a fan of that. <laughs> For sure. Let's get it going. When I talked to one of my teammates in college, and he, I mean, I've, I've talked to a few people recently, like that also know you, and just it's your reach is beyond what I even thought. I even realized. I I want to ask you though, completely off that, when if there was a time that you can remember or a date, when did you really stop caring about what people thought about you? I looked at your college, high and I saw how you introduced it, and in the caption you said this this has been a couple of seasons that I thought about just not caring about what people think and mm -hmm. you got on camera started talking when did yeah. that for you man great question I've never had anybody ask me that question I would I would 
say when it comes to when I stopped caring, it's been in phases. So uh, obviously as a kid, your world is based around like your friend groups, high school, things like that. You know, whoever it is you're growing up around in your atmosphere um, near you, right? It's based on proximity. So very young, I didn't care what anybody thought about me there, like in that area, right? I got to the point where it was like, you know, I feel like I'm a leader. I feel like, you know, I'm somebody who has something to offer. And, you know, if anybody's going to control like what I do on a daily basis, even just as a kid, it's going to be me outside of, you know, obviously my mother. So, but then you, you fast forward, you grow older and you go to another realm. It could be high school to college. It could be college to your work environment. It could be your marriage. It could be whatever. Each time I would go to a, a, a different realm, whether in my basketball career or just life in general, it would again have to go back to the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak, for me psychologically, where I start off caring what everyone thinks because I start off wanting to be influential, wanting to be liked, wanting to be appreciated, wanting to be accepted. And then after a while of bumping your head and figuring out that that's not like going to sustain you, that's not going to bring you peace, that's not going to ever bring you happiness, you then again make the same decision you once made the same way on the prior level that you were at. So, like I said, as a youth, it just came when obviously, you know, you get in a couple fights, you get your nose bloodied, and then you realize like there was nothing to be scared of. And then when you go to high school, it's once you get to like your sophomore or junior year and you realize like all this stuff is petty. Like none of this stuff matters. I'm not going to know any of these people once I graduate. Then once you start hooping in college, it's after you sat on the bench your first season, your second season. And then now you have the opportunity. For me, it was when I transferred from my JUCO to my four-year, you know, realized that a lot of the stuff we were doing was for popularity or it was just like, you know, clout or comparisons to our teammates and the people around us. And none of that stuff was going to get me where I needed to go. So I need to separate myself. Within my skill training business, it was once I realized, like, man, I don't know enough. So, you know, you start out working with kids or you're working locally and you're just comparing yourself to other trainers, other coaches around you. And so that's your focus. But then you're like, this is not even like, this is just Atlanta. This isn't the world. Like there's basketball outside of here. Let me see what other people are doing. Let me see how other coaches develop their plays. And then you realize like a lot of the people around you are small minded. They're not going anywhere. So if I'm going to excel, if I'm going to get to where I need to be, like, then I'm going to have to be different. And so I was willing to be laughed at when I walked into rec centers and I'm not playing an open gym at 19, 20 years old, or I'm not worried about what everyone else is doing. I don't have a social life and I'm just locked in on my craft. I'm watching better basketball by Rick Torbett, or I'm going to, <laughs> I knew that was going to like, like flip a switch in somebody's mind, but you know, I'm going to coaching clinics. I'm, I'm spending my money on things that don't, give me temporary satisfaction right now they're like seeds that I'm planning for the future so I, I can't give you a specific date to when it's just like yeah at this point this moment in time like my life changed and I never cared about what anyone thought I would say it happens within every phase like again I'm going to go to another level right I'm going to be on somebody else's bench or I'm going to be at the bottom of the totem pole serving another man's vision and then again, I'm going to have to within myself remind myself, like, you know what? It's not for me to care if they respect me or not. Like, that'll come. It's not going to uh, it's not going to matter in 10 years what these people said about me. 
you know, like it, it, it happens for all of us over and over again. You never master it. You just have to remind yourself sometimes because you might lose your way a little bit. Myson, can you hear me, bro? I'm so sorry. I lost my audio. No, no, you good. Okay. That's on me. That's on me. I was I was muting, so I didn't interrupt. Because uh, um, I want I want you to keep keep talking. I'll just ask a question and get out the way. I remember to unmute again, but it makes me think about you. You said you learn it in different phases, and you have to remind yourself. It's like it's always been there in each phase, but you have to work on that skill. Kind of like when you broke your forearm or your wrist. And you had to go from left-handed to right-handed. It's like, oh, I can use my right hand. It was always there. I just got to, like, hone in on it. I got to actually spend more time, get the reps. And it sounds like that's what you're kind of doing in a psychological, mental level with different phases that you have. What are you – I remember at one point, man, you were flipping burgers. You were saying – you said you flipped burgers. You fixed roofs. You were in crawl spaces. You probably had other jobs, too. Maybe you were still with the AYP, but – yeah. What are you doing now? Like, what are you spending most of your time on? Is it with TSF? Is it with Student of the Game? Uh, how do you really hone in, in on, on your craft at this point in time in your career? Yeah, so like the past, I want to say, six to eight months of this year have been a lot of working with the Skill Factory um, as the director of pros. So, you know, we came out of the summer where we had a great group of kids, great group of young men, excuse me. Uh, who were preparing, you know, to reach for their dreams, you know, when it came to making the NBA draft. Um, all of them got jobs, whether it be uh, two-way contracts, Exhibit 10s, and uh, overseas opportunities. So we're super excited about that. But that was a lot of work. That was a lot of, you know, getting up 6, 7 a.m. with some of these guys, and then they're coming back to you in the middle of the day and then again in the evening. And then also, you know, I've been managing uh, the Shoot360 ATL location that I'm sitting in now since last September um, from when I came home uh, from coaching internationally. So um, I try my best to, you know, still learn the game. And that's a little hard when you your day is filled with just pouring out. But, you know, I still get it in, whether that be visiting, you know, another coach's practices. I'm very fortunate to have AAU post-grad high school organizations that use our gym. And I'm not above just like sitting and watching right, or just asking that coach a couple questions. Um, I'm still a, a student at a game. That's why I named my company that. So, you know, watching basketball, my wife and I are basketball junkies. She hoops. So, you know, WNBA games are on every night, you know, all the way up through the finals. And I'm not watching it just as a fan. I'm watching it to see what they run in ATOs. I'm watching Becky Hammond to see how she, you know, does her substitution packages and what she's doing differently than Bill Lambeer, you know, just to always get an understanding and a grasp of, like, where the game is going. Um, now I'm blessed and I have the opportunity just because I've been in the game for a little bit of time now where I can just call certain people and ask them their philosophies, right? So I spend some of my mornings literally just asking coaches like how they view player development, doing what we're doing right now, just not recording it, not sharing it with the entire world, but just taking notes so that maybe I have something to go share with some of my players. And then the last way I would say that I'm always learning is when you get the opportunity to work with high-level players, a lot of times it serves you more than it serves them. So, you know, and I'm, I don't mean that from, like, the social media standpoint or the clout. I mean, if I'm in the gym with Kevin Herter, like, I'm asking Kevin Herter, what has he done up to this point? Because he was good before I ever met him. You know what I mean? Like, how did, how did he get from A to B? What are some of his philosophies when it comes to developing his shot? I picked his brain and we sat together for 45 minutes after our first couple of sessions just because I wanted to know 
what makes an, uh, a professional a professional. Like, he, he was the one who told me there's a difference between an NBA player and a pro, right? There's a, there's a difference between a, a, a guy who's going to play eight to ten years in the league and a guy who's just going to get drafted or get a contract, and that's it after two, three seasons. You know, he, he broke down how he works on his game as an NBA wing. You know, the things that help him transition from college to the pro ranks. When I work with Mike Scott, there are days where, because we see each other five, six days a week, I'll say, hey, Mike, you lead the workout today. You know, and, and now I'm asking him, like, well, where did you get that from? He's like, oh, Darvin Ham, who's now the head coach of the L.A. Lakers, was one of my assistant coaches, you know, back in Washington or Philly or Atlanta or wherever he was. And it's like, now I'm getting lessons from Darvin Ham. I've never met him. You know what I mean? So it's, it's an honor to have been in this game even just one year, let alone 15. And you find ways to constantly uh, steal from other people, adopt things from other people. You, you're never going to – if your eyes are open, you're never going to, like, even go for a walk within the game of basketball without stumbling upon something, right? It's like finding loose change. Like, if you just have your eyes open, it's waiting on you. Man, that's well said. So, in, in regards, you're in Shoot360 right now. You – just you, you learn from other people, players, organizations, coaches. What have you learned as you become the GM for the last year that you could possibly gift or, or give to other basketball trainers in terms of managing business? And, and in the next question after that, I'm going to ask about how you balance the profitability, need for profitability with philanthropy. You no know, poverty alleviation is something you really care about, and I'm, I'm very interested in that as well in giving back. But you know you got to be profitable before philanthropic. So, right, advice can you give out there to, to any business owners who have basketball training businesses? Yeah, the the first thing I would say, and the biggest lesson I've learned from uh, one of our majority owners here, Frank Chichino, is you got to be organized. You know, if you're going to do any type of work within the uh, basketball business industry, you know, if you're providing a service, a product, you got to be organized. You know, and the people who aren't are typically the people that. They may be good at what they do. They're, they're good at their craft or, you know, they, they have something to offer the world or, or their community, but it, it never will be scalable, scalable, excuse me. It will never last long. It will never get to a certain level because they just aren't organized. I see it every single day. AAU coaches with, you know, a hundred kids in the gym, but they don't have a way to stay in contact with the parents or they don't have a way to put out fires or to make sure that they're tracking you know, the monies that's coming in to pay for, you know, the, the camps or the tournaments they're going to play in. If it's skill development coaches, they don't do a good job of managing the schedules of all their workout sessions. They don't, you know, know how to make sure that they're meeting the specific needs of all their players because they don't take notes, you know, on what they're doing with those players in those said workouts. They don't film anything, so they can't market themselves. They don't have any media to expose themselves, you know, to other potential clients. So just working as the GM here for the past year has shown me that if you're organized, things flow. And if you create systems where you don't have to do all of the work or you partner with other people who have said systems, then now you can focus on what you do. And so that's helped me um, as a skill development coach, as a coach on a, a, a staff, you know, just to have a system, have a routine, you know, find ways to um, make your work smarter, right, so that you don't have to work as hard. And then, of course, when you ask questions about, you know, being profitable so that you can then become philanthropic, 
I would say that those systems help you to then become profitable. Um, but you always have to be thinking about what's next. You could be, you know, in the middle of a summer where you've got 50 to 100 clients on a monthly basis, but that summer's going to be over soon. Like you have to get to the point of seeing the seasons before they come, whether it be, you know, fall is coming up and then maybe things are going to slow down for you. How are you going to translate or transfer your skills, your product, your services to that slow period? You know, do you do film breakdowns? Do you go to your players' games and evaluate them? You know, do you do consultations? You know, you have to have something else in your tool belt. You can't just be a one-trick pony. And if you are, that's fine. But, like, understand that other uh, branches always come from the tree. So, you know, I started off just being a skills coach. But there's so many other services I can provide because I'm a skills coach. And I, I didn't know that when I was younger. I thought, oh, I'm just a trainer. And it's like, no, like you also can find a way to help players with their nutrition or gain weight or lose weight or, you know what I mean? So uh, without going too deep, hopefully that helps somebody. Sure. And last question for you. What would you suggest in terms of adding to their, to their tool belt, to their bag as, as skill development coaches, coaches in general? You give us one misconception out of the five or maybe six, I'm sure the list has grown since you put it out. Uh, could you give us at least one misconception, another misconception, and then tell everybody where they can go to get more information on how to really thrive, just have a, a much more efficient, effective uh, in-season training for their athletes? For sure, for sure. So uh, the biggest lesson I learned, and it is a part of the six that I I was uh, speaking on and, and sharing with people earlier, but I've I've experienced it on an even deeper level since sharing it, and that's understanding player roles. Like once you understand that the game, I know everyone's saying it's positionless, but that the game and its roles within it, the positions have morphed, then you become a better coach. So like it's no more one through five, like point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. You know, there's a floor general. There's a, a high volume or high usage guard. You know, you've got three and D guys, you know, utility players. You've got, you know, traditional bigs. You've got point forwards. You've got team engines. You've got, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different types of players or archetypes out there. And so better the better you get at understanding the, the player that you're working with, the player you're looking at and, and how they fit within the team that they're playing for, now your skill training or the work that you do with them takes better shape because it fits the actual needs of that player and the said team that they're trying to fit within. So, you know, if, if you don't understand that, then you're just going to try to, like, work with every guard the same every guard doesn't need to be thinking the same thing when they come off of a ball screen because some guards can't score. Like they just, they're not going to ever give you 30. They're never going to be that type of guy that's going to shoot 20 shots a game. That's just not how they're wired. Chris Paul is a floor general. He's never going to be a team's high usage or high volume scorer. Like it's just not happening, but that's why him and Devin Booker are so good together. So if I had to work with two guards like that at the same time, I might give Chris different instructions than I give Devin, even though they're both guards and we're both working on situational, the same situationally, the same things. So um, of course you can find more about that on uh, YouTube. If anyone wants uh, that specific link, uh, it's a G league coach forgot his name. I apologize. I didn't know you were going to ask me this question, but 
he did a great uh like hour long convo post. Hey Corey, it kind of it went off. Um, it, say, you say that one more time after you said G League, it, it yeah. cut out the audio. My bad, my bad. So yeah, uh, a great G League coach. I can't remember his name, but uh, he did a great job of basically through a PowerPoint presentation. I think it was with Basketball Immersion, uh, breaking down these player archetypes, these roles, and how they all fit to create um, better team efficiency ratings. Right. So like he showed you team by team by team who had the, the better lineups based on these new uh, player positions and how we should be defining them in, in 2022. So uh, if anybody wants that particular uh, YouTube video, they can always just hit me up. I'll shoot it to you, whether it be by DM, you can email me at soGtrainingco at gmail.com. Um, and any other way that you want to get in contact with me, I'm on Twitter, Facebook. Um, I just won't probably give you my number because, you know, I need my, my, my peace and my privacy. But, um, yeah, Myson, I'll send it to you as well, and you can share it with any other coaches that are watching. I'll be glad, man. I also want to share basketballcoachingconsulting.com too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But definitely, because I, I actually just opted in through it, and I'm about to be going through it just really – I like how you just jump right into it and making sure I'm actually doing the stuff in there and not just getting something just to get it. You know, I appreciate you making that available. So basketballcoachingconsulting.com is the – Yes, the, sir. And then we can go there and look to see how we can do all those things you mentioned and have some other misconceptions to to tackle, too. But I appreciate you making time, man. Like you said, it was quick. Uh, I got to do a part two to this. And I'm willing and, and available for it. So I'll reach out to you for this part, two. Oh, man, I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and, yeah, we'll be dropping much more content on uh, that website you just listed, basketballcoachingconsultant.com. We're also going to be updating the uh, transition Instagram page and dropping free content on there because uh, we got a lot of things coming. November 1st is our official like launch date where the entire curriculum will be uh, available for anybody who wants to see it, who wants to purchase. But uh, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do a part two, part three, if we can. Let's Dang. get it going. I'm with it. Appreciate you, Corey. I'll talk All to right, you. All right, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.